everybody. Welcome back to the Upland Outdoor Adventures, where we talk about the birds, the dogs, the gear, the people, the places, and most importantly, the adventures. I'm Josh, and my co-host is my lovely wife, Leslie. Hi, y'all. In this week's episode, who are we going to talk to? We're talking to Tyler Webster. Tyler is with the Birds, Booze, and Buds podcast. Hang on a minute uh, before we get started. We need to um, give a shout out to our sponsors and, and hear a word from them. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, sponsors. Our sponsors are the best. Our sponsors are better than yours. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're the raddest. <laughs> so, like I said, this week we're talking to Tyler with the Birds, Booze, and Buds podcast, and um, I think you'll enjoy what... Uh, He's got to say, um, look us up. I want to let you know how to get a hold of us uh, on Facebook, Up on Outdoor Adventures. Go to Facebook, search Up on Outdoor Adventures. And we've actually started a new Facebook group, Up on Outdoor Adventures. So everybody join up that group. Um, It's a place where you can go on there and post your stories. Um, Anything you want to do, basically. It's just like a a huge chat room with all of our listeners and followers and Um, And look for our Linktree link on our Facebook page, and that will open you up to um, all of our um, other social media accounts. You'll be able to go to one place to um, hear us on Spotify, on uh, Apple Podcasts, to um, see our Instagram to send us an email. It's like a one-stop shop. It's a one-stop shop. You can become a Patreon. You can become a, a pat- patron. A patron on Through Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> Just go to Facebook. That's 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 where you find our Linktree website. Or you could actually probably go to Linktree and search up on yeah, Outdoor Adventures. Yeah, you can just search it on Linktree if you if you don't Facebook. And it, also our Instagram. If you're if you got Instagram, our handle on Instagram is upland underscore oa. And our email address is uplandoa at gmail.com. And also, like she was just saying a few minutes ago, um, if you want to become a patron, and what patrons do is they they give $5 a month, they give $10 a month, they give 20 however much you want to give. Um, and what that does is it, it helps us pay, keep the lights on, as she likes to say. It, it pays off for subscriptions. We've got to pay a ton of subscriptions and... and it's it, you wouldn't believe you know when we started this podcast episode oh we can do it it won't cost nothing you know what it, it yeah, does yeah we don't make money doing this we, we make, spend money doing we spend this. money yes it costs us to do so. this so if you like to hear what you're hearing and you want to hear a lot more of it go on patreon hey guess what we have actually got last week you heard us say we're looking for our first patreon or our first patron we have got patrons now we do we have patrons and we want to thank all the patrons and I've told people before, I said, go on patreon.com and search for Up on Outdoor Adventures and we might send you something. Guess what? We've got patrons rolling in and we're sending stuff out. Yeah, we are. We're, um, I mean, I'm asking for addresses. I mean, I'm not blowing smoke. We want patrons and we're going to give you gear. Yeah, we're going to make it happen. So thank you for all of those, all the listeners who are reaching out to us and giving us feedback and telling us that they really like listening to our podcasts and asking us questions and becoming patrons. I mean, that... Um, we do this because it's fun for us and it's it's just a part of our passion um, and a way to share it with other people. But it excites us so much to know that other people are enjoying it and um, 
And so we we want to hear from you. You know, just like I was telling Tyler, you know, earlier when I talked to him, I said, I said, dude, I'd do this podcast if nobody listened. I just like talking into a mic. And, right. I mean, we just love doing this. And like I said, we we have some pretty cool things we do. Uh, we're I think we're some pretty rad people. Um, Duh. We get along with anybody. We'll talk to a wall and found my, well, I have found myself talking to, I found Leslie talking to a wall. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I was probably talking to myself, saying things I didn't want him to hear. Uh, she started answering herself, so I don't know who she was talking <laughs> to. But anyways, um, go to patron.com is, a, is an easy way to find us. And, you know, that's we'd love to have you. And remember, for less than a cup of coffee a day, you can support your favorite podcaster. That is, once again, here, I just love it. I, it, it just, it just warms oh, my heart. Anyways, here we go. It yes. don't warm my heart. It kind of makes me sad. That I think of starving kids. When I know. That you think of like a, a, a skinny shelter dog or something, don't you? Oh, yeah. She does do the one for dogs, don't she? Yeah. Yeah, I think of dogs, a skinny... Everybody's those got bird are dogs. Sad. Those everybody commercials looks, are everybody sad. Everybody that looks at our bird dog says, "Do you ever feed those dogs?" <laughs> yeah, bird dog's supposed uh, yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at a a bird hunter's bird dogs that actually hunts his dogs and ran them like they need to be ran, they do kind of kind of look like a red worm with the crap slung out. <laughs> they of them, don't do, they? and it's almost like you know if embarrassing like if you're like out in public around people who don't know anything about hunting dogs and then they see like your super skinny dog that you get out of the kennel it's like yeah but you know i I promise we feed them well i have just been wanting one person to say that to me because you know i'm gonna light them up i'm gonna i'm gonna be like you know what you know look in the nfl look at your linemen they big they strong. They don't do nothing but stand up and block. You know, that's all they got to do. Now, you look at your... They're athletes. I'm not going to say Lima's not an athlete. They're all athletes. But look at your look at your receivers. Look at your guys that are... they. You would say skinny, but just like the bird dogs, they ripped up. Our bird dogs are ripped up. They'll go all day long from daylight to dark. Uh, they're in shape. But anyways... Kind of like myself. Yeah. <laughs> word me. Well-tuned machine. You know. Hey. Lean, mean. Don't know where this is going. Don't know where it came (laughs) from, but we just rabbit holed some way. (laughs) Hey, everybody, this week's episode, like I said, is with Tyler Webster of the Birds, Booze, and Buds podcast. I think you're going to like it. We really, really enjoyed doing this podcast and um, wouldn't be surprised if we don't end up in uh, North Dakota next year chasing huns and sharp tails. But anyways, hey. Give us some feedback. We really, really love. We have got a ton of feedback lately, and I'm, I'm really mm-hmm. loving it. Love the feedback. Love hearing from you. Um, and I want to apologize to all the youpers out there. <laughs> I've got <laughs> the pasty isn't nasty. Yes, okay? the pasty isn't nasty, but it really is. But we're going to. It really is nasty. We're but... going to tell them it's not. So sorry, youpers. Yeah. But we had some feedback. It was they were all it was all in fun. But we had a bunch of feedback, not a bunch, but four or five people from the UP like, "Oh, you talking about the pasty? We love a pasty." So yes, the pasty isn't nasty, and uh, we replied to that in our one of our grouse camp episodes that the pasty was nasty. Well, maybe we 
it's an acquired taste. No, they nasty. Hey, we love everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and and so glad you're here listening. And we're just going to go ahead and get right into it. And uh, give me, yep, give me this second. We're going to get Tyler on. Are you there, Tyler? I'm here. Good deal. Good deal. Glad you have you on the podcast today, Tyler. So how's the weather in uh, North Dakota? Well, thankfully, um, well, first of all, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, thankfully, the weather uh, finally changed around for us today. We've had a couple of weeks now of pretty cold, like unseasonably cold, um, well below freezing temperatures, uh, including a couple nights down in the very low single digits, which is not normal, even for up here this time of the year. But today it was back up into the 40s and sunny and the birds were out and it was, it was a good day. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. I just talked to a buddy of mine in Kansas. He said it was 16 out there this morning when he woke up. So I think, yeah, at the Midwest and the, the Northern Plains, I think all oh, y'all getting hit pretty hard with the cold front. They actually, it's funny. We just, right before you came on, we got a call from uh, both school systems that the kids go to. They're going to close here tomorrow because of rain, heavy rain. So we're getting, they're getting out of school for rain. I don't know. We never got out of it's school. It's the South. They close school for everything. They close school for everything down here. So Tyler, um, I, you're, you're from uh, a little town called what? Stanley, North Dakota. Uh, I'm actually from Minot, uh, but I live just outside of a little town called Stanley in Northwest North Dakota. Yep. Oh, cool, cool. So, uh, was you born and raised in in uh, in Minot? You said, and you just moved to Stanley recently, or tell us a little bit about that. How you got there? Sure. So, yeah, I was born and raised in Minot. Uh, spent uh, spent well most of my life there. I went to college in Fargo, and then uh, when I I just moved, I been working out here in northwestern North Dakota in Stanley for about seven years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've lived out here now for three, but oh. I've been hunting out here in this area since. Uh, in fact, from where I'm sitting right now at my kitchen table to a spot that I shot my first sharp tail in is about six miles. So wow. I've been hunting, been hunting out here uh, almost 30 years. Wow. You're very fortunate to be able to live in a very bird-rich environment like you listen, or live in. Um, I sure am. Yeah. So you you live in uh, you live in Stanley, raising mine. So in Stanley, where you're at um, – what kind of a bird population, what different species do y'all hunt in your area where you're at? Well, uh, Stanley is located in Montreal County. Um, and Montreal County is, is it, if a person was going to make a trip up uh, to Montreal County or Stanley and spe- uh, specifically, you wouldn't come up here for pheasants. Um, there are pheasants around uh, and in good years, it can be pretty good. But as what uh, Montreal County really uh, shines with is sharp tails and huns and also waterfowl. It's kind of it's kind of a sleeper county as far as waterfowl goes. Um, But this county almost every year without fail uh, is in the top three as far as uh, the highest number of sharp tails harvested. That's really what what Stanley has um, has to brag about mostly. Um, the reason that I like, I, I mean, I've been hunting out here, like I said, since I, since I was a kid, since I was eight years old, but, uh, the birds up here that I really enjoy chasing are going to be the Huns. And there's quite a few of them around here as well. Yeah. The, I think the Huns from hearing you talk on some other podcast and, uh, looking at your Instagram feed, I, I think, um, the Huns are, the numbers are up like super strong this year up there. Correct. Yeah. Um, it's probably, it, well, it, it certainly has to be, and the numbers are going to bear that out by the end of the year. I got a, 
a big white uh, dry erase board in my garage that we track uh, all the birds that are killed out of here every year, all the different species, and and we're uh, we're certainly um, certainly going to end up beating our uh, previous high for Huns this year. But um, the only time in my life that I can possibly remember there being more Huns was back in the early '90s when I first started hunting. And who really knows if there was more than or not? I'm sure that there was, but, uh, you know, everything seems a little bit different when you're a kid. So, you know, if you go out and you've seen, you know, 20 or 30 birds, you're like, oh man, that must have been 60 or 70. You know, like our yeah. brains just can't quite comprehend uh, those numbers quite as well. Yep. But it did seem like back then um, we would come out in the evenings. My grandfather was the one who, who really started taking me hunting and we would, uh, we would, we didn't have a dog. So we would just walk, uh, the edges of wheat fields and we would end up, uh, seeing a covey of huns basically on, on every corner of a wheat field. It seemed like, and, uh, this, these last couple years since probably about 2016, it's been getting better and better, but, uh, this year is certainly going to be one that's going to go down in the history books as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's actually something I've never killed. And, I'm, of course, I'm being from the South. I'm a covey hunter and I love to hunt Bob Whites. And I, I've heard a lot about the Huns and I'm going to make my way up there probably not this year, but uh, we've got Kansas coming up and then Idaho and Oregon for checker hunting in December. So probably won't make the trip this year, but next year I'm definitely wanting to get up that way somewhere and get in some hunts because I just love, I just love watching the covey rise and I hear the Huns are kind of like Bob Whites on steroids. That's a pretty good way to put it. Um, they, you will uh, probably end up finding some though in Oregon and what and uh, Idaho though, uh, as well. They have a fairly strong population of huns over there, and you'll you'll actually run into them while you're chasing chuckers. So you may end, you may still end up getting a couple this year. Won't hurt my feelings nice. a bit. Yeah, <laughs> won't. So um, I got I got I got another question for you here, Tyler. I know that you 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 started hunting at a young age. You've been hunting a long time. Um, mm-hmm. how did you get into hunting and who got you into hunting as far as the upland game goes? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the same person who got me into upland hunting also got me into trapping and fishing and not quite so much on the big game side, but, um, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit as well, but it was my, my grandfather on my mom's side. Uh-huh. Um, he was, a he was a really, a really great guy, great mentor. Uh, he did, um, he would he would bring trapping stuff into into my second and third and first grade classes and do like trapping demonstrations for all the kids and bring fur in and all kinds of stuff and uh we he passed away when i was 18 but i think i started carrying a gun when i was eight um and i was going with him well before that carrying a bb gun or just walking along as best i could uh so he he was, we went out every single Sunday, um, every single Sunday of the season, whether it was nice out or not, it didn't matter. We were going to go and do something. Um, but yeah, he was, he was, he's a hundred percent the reason why I'm as crazy about chasing these goofy birds around <laughs> as I am. That's awesome. And I, and I know, and, and don't lie, you, you, you got to tell me, I know you shot at some birds off the power lines with your BB gun. Oh, of course I did. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, I mean, and I, I, the first, the first rooster pheasant I ever shot, uh, I shot with a 410 right underneath of a bush and I don't feel bad about it. <laughs> Ground swat, huh? A hundred percent. As a friend of mine from Michigan says, if they treat, if they act like rabbits, treat them like rabbits. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. They treat them like rabbits. Yeah. That's, there's no shame in that game. I guess if, you know, if I chase something all forever with a BB gun. I guess I'd shoot it whenever I got an opportunity with a 410 the same. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So you're one thing uh, there's up, upland hunters. Some, some guys chase bird, birds with dogs and some guys walk them up. Some guys use flushers. You've got setters, you've got short hairs. Mm-hmm. How did you get into the dog? Did the dogs get you into the upland game from your grandfather well, or did you get into the upland game and bring your dogs into it? Yeah, I was definitely into it before I got dogs. Um, I always wanted dogs, but we uh, uh, we were never really in a situation when I was when I was growing up for me to have one. Um, but I remember uh, the very first time I ever seen a dog go on point. It was uh, my second cousin uh, up in uh, it'd be in the very far northwest corner of the state, almost to the Montana line, a little town called Williston. Uh-huh. Well, it's not so little anymore. It was a little back then, but he had a Brittany. And when I was growing up in Minot, we didn't really have pheasants around uh, near like we do now. Uh Um, You had to go to different parts of the state to really kind of run into birds. And so we, we hunted huns and we hunted sharp tails. Uh, But there, if you seen a pheasant or if you got a pheasant, it was definitely something to talk about. But if we, when we, we'd make like a trip a year up to Williston. And I remember watching this dog, we wounded a bird I didn't. I think I was like nine or something like that. But we'd seen this bird kind of sail down and I can still see it. Uh, this little Brittany stacked up on point in in this wheat field, like in, in a cut wheat field. And she just wouldn't move. And we didn't believe her and didn't believe her and didn't believe her. And we finally uh, we were just walking back to the trucks. We were only 50 yards away from the trucks. And finally that, that pheasant tried to do like its little one winged flight or whatever. And that dog plucked it out of the air and brought it back. And that was the first time I'd ever seen a dog on point or um, hunted behind a dog. And at that point, I, I knew that that's what I was going to do for the rest of my life, basically. But I went, I didn't get my first dog, though, until I was in my 20s. Um, I hunted, and the, the reason I ended up getting the, the dogs that I did, uh, so I was always that guy who... Since I'd lived here my whole life and I'd always been nuts about bird hunting, I always had really good spots to go to and I uh-huh. always knew farmers, but I didn't have any way to kill these birds because I, you know, <laughs> we're literally just going out and walking for miles and miles and miles and hoping to get lucky. And which, by the way, not super effective. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you have a choice to do uh, either one of those, I would definitely recommend the dogs because uh, at least you have something to look at while you're walking. But um, so I, I, I got into these dogs from a guy, two different guys, actually. There was one guy who was my best friend, Mike. It was his boss on the Air Force Base. His name was Jeff Dollinger. And Jeff had two setters, and he played uh, some Nastra and some field trial games. He had two really good dogs, um, Jack and Buddy were their names. Mm-hmm. And those two dogs really kind of cemented it into my into my mind that that's what I wanted. And then... Um, a guy, a friend of mine named Steve Geller, he's in his seventies now. He, uh, I've had him on my podcast, but he was more of a mentor in 
pool. I'm a, I'm a pretty, pretty good pool player and take that pretty seriously as well. And I've found out that he liked to go do some bird hunting. And I suppose Steve at this point was probably in his mid fifties, mid to late fifties. And he had a couple of English pointers and we would go out and we'd chase birds behind those pointers. And um, so it was those two guys that really kind of taught me everything that I know today about pointing dogs and really kind of helped shape my, uh, or hone my, my, my upland bird hunting skill and passion just because, you know, I really realized very, very quickly that watching those dogs go on point and retrieving birds and, and watch it, it just made the whole thing a hell of a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> and, and so I got, I ended up getting my first dog when I was in my mid twenties, I think. Well, well, so you got two setters and a, and a short hair. The next question I've got for you is, uh, uh, when are you going to let your, uh, brother ron uh, talk you into getting a brock uh about the time that i retire from bird hunting um uh you know i like to actually shoot birds and uh have a dog that'll go out there and find them and actually point them and not just flush them if they do well you you know ron's getting old so he kind of likes a dog just kind of you know he don't want a dog to really get up and go so it fits his just fine well, that's why that's why he got that little cocker. He really needs one just to ride around in the front seat of the pickup with. That's really <laughs> all he needs. Uh, no, he's a. Uh, uh, I man, I got to. I got. I've really gotten to know Ron well over the last oh, five years or so, and uh, he, he he. If he was here right now, he would make the. He would say the same thing. Ron likes to go bird hunting, uh, like most people like to go fishing, like. Uh, he loves to go out and he loves to be there and he likes to shoot some birds. If his dogs do good, that's great. If they don't, he doesn't care. <laughs> like he, he's just out there to talk to people and have fun. And uh, he'll make fun of his shooting just as fast as I will. Um, mm-hmm. Even because this year I got to watch him go one for 25. Oh, on doves opening day. Um, I don't and, feel as bad now. <laughs> no. Uh, and then uh, I got to watch his cocker drag a chair halfway across the stubble field, chasing one of those doves that he missed. Um, not, not and that. the whole time we were just standing there absolutely in tears laughing. <laughs> and that is, that's Ron in a nutshell. He is what? one of the most fun human beings to be around in the whole planet. I, I can imagine. And I was just going to say, no, don't talk about Ron too bad. Cause that's Leslie's favorite guy. She, it lo- is. she loves Ron Bain. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. He's, he's a, he's a, he is a great dude. He's real fun to listen to and to talk to. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I'm kind of partial to the guy. <laughs> she, oh, she, she really likes too. Ron. That, that kind of, while we're talking to Ron, I, I want to segue into Ron got you into podcasting, correct? Or how did tell me how you got into podcasting itself? Yeah. So it actually, it kind of started, it coincides with this job that I have now. Um, I, I went from, I, I got a business major, uh, is my, is my degree. And I was a, I was a bar manager forever. And I, I knew in my twenties that that's not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> right. uh, I did not want to be at the bar working until three o'clock in the morning every day, but it was in my twenties, it was a, a job that I could, I could literally go hunting every day. Um, because I didn't ever have to go to work until five o'clock at night. Right. So it was, it was really kind of a means to an end for me. But, um, so when I got this new job, I got, I got a mail route, um, uh, driving around the country out here in, in 
well, where I live now, really. And I realized pretty fast that uh, listening to the radio was a really good way to go completely nuts. <laughs> it was it was about the same 20 songs over and yep. over again on a never-ending loop, and none of them were songs that I really liked. And uh, so I was kind of driving around one day, and I can still remember exactly where I was at. And I was like, God, I wonder what these, you know, I, I had, I've had an iPhone forever, but I'm, to say that I am uh, uh technologically stunted would be a gross understatement. Like I, I barely know how to change my email address. I like, I'm terrible. I, how I have a podcast is still one of the world's great mysteries. Um, but so I, I was like, well, you know, they, there's this, this, uh, um, this podcast app on my phone. I wonder what I can find on here that would be something I was interested in. So I start Googling and I Google hunting and then I Google bird hunting and then I Google or I'm searching all these different things. And finally this hunting dog podcast pops up and uh, it was in January and Ron had just started. He had like three episodes out. Literally he had just started. And I was listening to it and I, it was like, it was like listening to one of my uncles, you know, like it was like, yeah. you know, it was like, Oh God, you know, okay. So there are other morons like me. Out there that are doing this same thing, you know? I hope Ron listens to this podcast. Yeah. And, uh, and so I listened for a little while and then, uh, I, I finally like, it's so it, it's looking back on it now and being in the position that I'm in now, it's kind of funny, but, I kind of worked up the courage to send him an email. I was like, Oh God, this guy, you know, he's, he's gotta be this really serious, uh, you know, he's gotta be this really big time bird hunter or whatever. And I sent him this email and I got a, I got an email back within you know, like an hour and, uh, he sent me his phone number. He's like, Hey man, you know, like, thank you very much for listening. And, uh, I'm, I'm you know, I want to hear more about the hunting you do. He said, I'd really like to have you on a podcast. And I was like, Oh God, this is terrifying. You know, like, <laughs> oh, like I, what what have I done to deserve to be on the podcast? You know? and, and so, uh, and so I, I I called him and we we had a, a chat and you know I was it's it's so funny to think back on it now because I was almost like starstruck by this guy who at that point probably legitimately had like five hundred people listening to him right you know so like it's but <laughs> it, like it was like he's on my radio. And he's on my phone and now I'm talking to him, you know, this is awesome. And so I agreed to come on and we, we did a, a podcast. Um, it was, I think it was titled North Dakota and Upland hunting paradise or something like that. And, uh, it went great. I think we talked for like two hours and when we got done, we, we talked for a while off after the recorder was turned off and we, you know, we really kind of hit it off and, I told him, I said, you know, if you're ever bored and you want to come up, or if you're ever up in this neck of the woods, I said, you can give me a call. I said, I'll take you out hunting. He said, oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, and I kind of did, kind of thought that he probably wouldn't, you know, I thought he was just being, being nice. Little did I know that, uh, literally getting invited to North Dakota is on the top of everybody's wish list. It seems right. like, uh, it's like, oh yeah. So you have a whole bunch of places to hunt. Why wouldn't that, you know, why wouldn't you come up? And so we spent, uh, we spent about a week together in early November that, that, that year. And we just absolutely hit it off, became really great, very quick friends. And we've been, we've been doing it ever since. And he's the one who talked me into it. He's like, man, cause when I was on his, he was the only, only Upland bird hunting podcast out there. 
uh, he was the only one. And he's like, man, you got to get in on this. You got so many good stories. You got good dogs. You hunt, you live in a great place. He's like, you'd be really good at this. You'd be good at this. And right. I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, like I, and again, kind of intimidated, you know, just being coming from where I come from. It's not something that I'd ever even considered being on TV or doing a podcast or anything like that. And uh, finally, he's like, you really have to get after it. He said, there's, you know, and we didn't know at the time uh, that Project Upland was working on one with Nick Larson. In fact, um, I started mine about a month before Nick did, and I was the second bird hunting podcast out there. Um, And then, (laughs) again, kind of funny to think back on it now, but I had to actually help Nick with what I was using as far as sound sound equipment and stuff (laughs) like that. He's like, what are you using? Everything like, where do you upload your podcast to? And I was like, man, uh, this is what I use, you know. And so, but now I've been doing it for a little over three years. Uh, I got about 170 episodes uh, out there. And um, it's just been growing and growing, and it's uh, it's it's been a really fun ride. So, it really has been. Yeah. So, so I guess if if somebody invites you on their podcast, you have to take them hunting. Then, correct? <laughs> uh, you know, I let me think about that. I suppose probably uh, that would be the obligation. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I'm trying okay. to think. Okay, everybody. I've got your. <laughs> I've got your phone number. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I figured that's why you wanted to wanted me to turn my location on on here, but you already know where I'm at anyway. So, but yeah, I've uh, I've hunted with a lot of different people that have podcasts now. I've hunted with I hunt with Nick every year. Hunt with Ron, um, Travis Frank. Uh, I think I'm hopefully going to get a chance to go hunting with Bob St. Pierre. Take him out. He's he's been wanting to shoot some hunts for a long time. So hopefully I'll get a chance to take him out later this year. But yeah, it seems uh, the rowdy huntsman guys from down there in North Carolina they were just up here, but. Yeah, it seems like we, you know, we got a pretty, pretty good, um, pretty good community right now. Right. So that's a bunch of good people out there to hunt with. Well, that all jokes aside, that is awesome. So, since we're talking about your podcast, how did you come up with the name Birds, Booze, and Buds, or is it kind of well, self-explanatory? <laughs> yeah. So uh, initially, when I started it, I was going to take it very seriously. And I'm, as you can tell, just from talking to me for a while, I'm not, I'm not the most serious of people. Like I, I I really like to have a lot of fun. Uh, You know, I like to, I like to have, you know, some, some good information, but I also want it to be fun. Exactly. When I I first started, I was calling it the Western wing shooter podcast, which is a great name. And it was definitely, um, you know, I was, it was definitely, I mean, probably would have been more popular with that name than it is with the one that it has now. But I got about four or five episodes in and it just felt like it was like I had to take it too seriously. And just like everything else in my life, basically, if it's if it if it feels like it's too serious, I I just knew that it was going to be something that I probably wouldn't stick with. And so uh, (laughs) one night out here on my on my deck, I had a bunch of people out and I had started this Facebook page with just all the people that I hunt with, um, you know, like earlier that year. And I'd called the Facebook page birds, booze and buds. And it was just a private group with all me and all my hunting buddies from here in Michigan. And Ron was in there and, and a bunch of other people. And it was basically just us, you know, making fun of each other and telling stories and sharing memes, you know, and all that kind of fun stuff. Just, just basically giving each other a hard time. 
And so we were sitting outside on the porch one night and it was, I don't know, three in the morning. Um, we'd had several adult beverages and uh, I just, I looked at everybody else. I said, this is what the podcast has to be. And then, uh, you know, we were sitting there talking and they're like, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I think I'm going to rename it. I said, I think I'm going to rename it the same thing that I named that Facebook group. I'm going to name it the Birds, Booze and Buds podcast. And that's what it's been. That's what it's been now for, uh, you know, a little over three years. Well, 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 I tell you, you've got you've got a, a good following. I'm I'm sure. Uh, of course, no, nobody can see your analytics, but you. But I'm sure you got a good good following. And um, I mean, you're my, me and Leslie loves listen. You know, we've got four or five, and I'm not going to name them off. But you know, Ron and you in the top two, and of course Travis and and Bob. You know, we like listening to all those guys. We got four or five that basically is is my go tos. And it's it's funny. We've kind of got a little something in common. I know you're a government contractor. Um, and we're, we're the same way. Um, Leslie, uh, she's been with the BLM forever out in, um, Wyoming. She worked for the BLM and in Oregon, and she actually worked on the sage grouse initiative for a long time, but, uh, Very cool. yeah. And since, um, since she moved back home, she was born and raised here, but since she moved back home, um, we've, we've, she does the same thing. She started government contracts and, uh, anything from, I mean, it's a wide variety. You know, we do everything from juniper mastication out in the uh, in the west to, um, I guess you would to say custodial custodial work yeah, here at East. Whatever. You know, and and so it's kind of neat. I, she was talking about that last night. She's like, "Oh, he's a government contractor." Actually, I was I sent her the podcast yesterday for her to listen to. Of, uh, I think it was you and Travis. When it he was, was. On, yeah, yeah, it was the flush episode. I think number three mm-hmm. or four that he done with you and. Um, and she was kind of, he's cool, he's a government contractor. Well, yeah. the, what I thought about it, the when you were talking about your what you do for work um, and the flexibility, that's mm-hmm. you know, why we're doing what we're doing now is because, you know, we want to have that flexibility where we can go do the things that we enjoy and travel around. And, and I love the Western states and I loved living in Wyoming and Oregon and, uh, you, I did go to, I, I actually never, I don't think I, I think I went to Williston one time, but I spent time in Montana and in South Dakota and Idaho and um, Utah. But I, I mean, I, I'm back home and I'm happy to be back home, but you know, Josh loves those places too. So we just are going to find a way to spend, you know, our fun times out there instead of, you know, me working there and never making it home. And I've got a son who works for the forest service. He's a firefighter for the forest service out in California, not far Northern California. And, um, my daughter lives in Warland, Wyoming near the Bighorn mountains. So, I mean, we still have ties out there and reasons to go out and, uh, do some hunting. Hey, it's it's a re, it's a reason to buy the little vest for your dog that says service dog. That way you can take your German short hairs on the plane. <laughs> yeah. <with you. laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, uh, I, I really did. I've upland hunting has really kind of taken over my life in a very positive way. I mean, it's, uh, it's always been one of the most important things that, um, you know, that I do every year and it's something that I look forward to. But, um, you know, in the last, I mean, really since I started this and, and started becoming friends with Ron and then it really took off when I, when I, uh, 
started my own podcast that that's, it's all I think of. I mean, I've really, I've really dedicated my life to upland hunting and helping, trying to help other people uh, figure out what these goofy damn birds are doing and, and how, you know, like it it still kind of cracks me up that people call me or message me for training advice because I am absolutely by no means a dog trainer. Uh, My dogs barely know how to sit and they certainly don't know how to stay. Uh, But uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I figured out a job path that would take me like it, it's, it's like the past of the path of least resistance where I can work as little as possible, still make enough money to pay my bills and have almost infinite amount of times chasing birds. So well, it's, it, it, I've gotten really lucky. Yes, it, you have. And, and it's, it's awesome that you figured that out. And, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, that's, is trying to do the same thing, not just with upland bird hunting. And, you know, and if you can, if you can, if you can work to support your passion, and and basically get to do what you want when you want to do it you know that's there's nothing better and you know kind of on a serious note here i know you and ron are big buddies and of course you and travis are big buddies but knowing you and knowing your past one of your best friends in the bird hunting world ever um i want to talk a little bit about craig um I, i know it's a soft spot in your heart and a lot of people's heart but Tell, sure. tell the viewers a little bit about, um, if you want to tell them a little bit about Craig's story real quick and They're how listeners, not viewers. Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> listeners, not viewers. I, what this podcast don't make me look fat. Does it? Tyler? <laughs> <laughs> but um, we t- both have faces for radio. It's uh, fine. <laughs> I hear you. So tell the listeners a little bit of, a real short, you know, about Craig's story for those that don't know him and sure. how, and how you, you know, became friends or Craig and a little bit about you and him. Sure. So it, uh, again, I mean, it seems like everything in my life these days goes back to, goes back to the, the fateful day of me finding Ron's podcast. Cause that's how I became friends with Craig as well. Uh, I think Craig was on Ron's third ever podcast, I think is what it was. And, uh, in that podcast, it was him and now uh, another friend of mine, Dave Dean, they were on there and they were telling stories and partway through it, they'd mentioned that they, uh, every year they make a, an annual trip to North Dakota and they hunt down in the Southeastern part of the state. So I sent, uh, Craig and I think it was right after I was on Ron's podcast. I sent Craig a Facebook message. I found him on Facebook and sent him a message and just told him, I said, you know, I hear you come up to North Dakota every year and you were talking about on the podcast, how you kind of wanted to get more into sharp tails and this and that. And I just threw out the invitation to him. I said, uh, and we kind of chatted all summer long on Facebook and, and became, you know, as good a Facebook friends as a person can, I suppose. And we decided that when they were up here, they were going to come up to my house for a day. Uh, they were just going to come up for a day. It was about 140 miles or so each way and they were going to come up we were going to spend a day we were going to chase sharp tails maybe find some huns there wasn't a ton of huns around back then maybe shoot some ducks you know whatever um and they ended up staying for three days (laughs) we had so much fun that they just didn't leave i think that's Uh, i think that's kind of a habit for people that comes to your house stays a little longer (laughs) seems seems to be yeah but we we had a really good time and really hit it off and uh when when they left um, you know, we all exchanged phone numbers and, and, 
we, we really became good friends. And the next year when they were starting to make their plans, they, uh, they called me, there's five or six of them. I can't remember. I think, I think five of them that year. And they called me and they said that they, they really wanted to, um, not go and hunt down in the Southeast. They wanted to uh, split their time. They were going to come up for two weeks. They wanted to spend a week with me and then a week down there. And then after they never actually even ended up going down there at all. They spent the full two weeks with me. And then that's what we've been doing ever since. And so our, our friendship really, really blew up from there. Um, and we, uh, you know, he came up here and we chased sharp tails and huns early. Um, I went to Michigan. We chased, uh, he took me out for my first rough grouse hunt and we went steelhead fishing. And then he came back up here the next year. And then we were going to go down to Arizona. Uh, we were going to go and do a quail hunt together down at my aunt's bed and breakfast in extreme southeastern Arizona. And on the way, it was going to be him and our other buddy, Bruce. And they were really having a hard time trying to, uh, it was really cold in January in Michigan, which in, in the place where they're at is actually kind of unusual. And so they, they were going to have to drive from Michigan all the way to, I think it was Knoxville, Tennessee to fly out because it was too cold for the airlines to fly the dogs. And, um, that's, that's when where, they were on their way, we live, actually. Oh, really? And, yeah, just uh, south. on their, on their way, thankfully Bruce was driving, but Craig had a, a, a really bad and very severe seizure and right in the passenger seat he never had any any history of epilepsy or anything like that and so bruce called me after they got after the paramedics had loaded him up and they were taking him to the hospital and i was actually on the drive down to arizona and so i instant i was riding and i instantly started googling you know what causes uh seizures in you know adult adult men that don't have any history of this stuff and uh one of the things that came up was 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 cancer was brain tumors or whatever that's ended up ended up being what it was was a, a stage four brain cancer and so he was mm. diagnosed in february and they gave him six months to a year to live and he had a um, craniotomy they they removed a big tumor and he told me he called me he said hey i'm going to be out there opening day of, of bird season next year and he said you better be ready and i said i'll be ready and uh that was in 2018 and we had uh Hey, Tyler, can you can you just repeat that real quick? You broke up on me just a second. Sure. Uh, that that was in 2018 uh, that that happened, and when he came out here, he was out here for the opening opening weekend of sharp tail season, September 10th or something like that. And we that really kind of started just this really epic season, and it kind of part of it got recorded on on the Flush Television show in a uh, really really touching, very memorable hunt that me and him and Travis did. We spent three days together up here in October and, uh, it's, I'm really proud of the way it turned out. And, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's still kind of hard to go back and watch it, but at the same time, you know, those memories are really, really good memories. Oh, yeah. So, um, but we spent that, we, we spent that time up here. Uh, I went to Michigan. We hunted, uh, Michigan up on the South shore of lakes of Lake Superior. Um, I was over there for the first snow. Uh, we had a really incredible hunt over there. And then we hunted, I think we hunted nine states that year. We hunted North Dakota, Montana, Minnesota, Wisconsin, um, Michigan, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, Arizona, I think is what we did. Wow. And uh, it all 
uh, finished up exactly where we were supposed to be at one year previously when he got diagnosed uh, on top of a mountain in Arizona after hunting quail all day long. One year to the day after he was diagnosed, we were sitting down there drinking uh, really very expensive bourbon and smoking a cigar <laughs> on top of a mountain. And there was a, it was really a, a super, super cool, very memorable, super emotional way to, to kind of finish off the season because it, it was it was myself and Craig, all of his friends from Michigan had made the trip down. A bunch of our mutual friends from here in North Dakota had made the trip down. So there was like, like 13 of us, I think. And we all, I mean, we just kind of, that was like our, our group kind of coming together and, and, um, knowing that that may be the last hunt that he ever gets to go on. Um, it turned out not being the last hunt. He was, he was, he was a tough, tough Irishman. And, uh, he, uh, he fought through it and he made it up here, uh, that following year, he was up here September 1st and we got to do a little bit of hunting. Um, they went over to Montana and it was just so hot that, uh, it, it was really too hot to hunt, but they went over and tried it anyways. And then after that, he really started going downhill pretty fast and we ended up, uh, losing him last year in March. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that, that's a tough thing. And I know you don't know, cause I've never, you know, talked to you about it or anything, but I lost my, my mom's dad, my grandfather on my mom's side to the exact same thing. So, I know exactly, yeah. you know, what you was going through and, and how fast it, you know, it goes. And of course this was in nineteen ninety three. I lost him. So medicine's more advanced now. Um they actually didn't actually get to go in and do any surgery on him because it's too far gone back then, which you know, but anyways, yes, yeah, so I I know exactly what you went through and it's it, you know, we're not you know, none of us are promised tomorrow. And like I've heard you say a lot on a lot of different podcasts, you know, the things you want to do, do them now. Don't wait. Mm -hmm. You know, those are Craig's words, not mine, but they're exactly, they're exactly right. Um, He said in the interview that we filmed not a half mile from where I'm sitting right now, there's this old farm set over here and that's where we did the interview process. And it was really, it was really, it was hard to get through because we, we knew that it was kind of, that, it, you know, we knew what the outcome was going to be before it actually happened. And uh, <laughs> there were a lot of times there where we were trying to record those interviews that uh, me and Travis and the camera guy all had to break because we're all bawling. Oh, know? yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Travis, is he's doing a really good job of trying to ask these questions. And, like, I'm looking at him and he's he's crying, which makes me cry. And it's like, I'm not crying, you're crying <laughs> kind of a thing, you know. And uh, we're trying to get – we're trying to get through it, but, uh, on the interview, that's, that's one of the things that Craig said that, uh, you know, I was standing way off to the side, trying to, trying to keep, uh, keep, keep myself composed, uh, after my interview was already done when he did his and thank God I was, because it was, it was pretty rough. But, uh, in, in the, in the interview, he says, you know, um, you know, take that trip now, uh, yeah. you know, go talk to your friends now, uh, hug your kids now, that kind of a thing. And, uh, you know, watching that it's, you know, it's a hundred percent true. And, you know, I lost my grandpa when I was 18 and he had, he was only 68 and, uh, he had just retired the year before. And when he, it was also cancer. And when he was, when he was laying on his deathbed, we were talking about it and he said, do me a favor. I said, what's that? He said, I want you to go out and I want you to have as much fun as you can possibly have. 
try not to work as hard as I did. And he said, I want the last check you write on this earth to bounce. (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of like looking at him. And, but as what he meant, he worked two jobs. He worked 65, 70 hours his entire life. And he never got to go and have fun. He never got to take the vacation. He never, um, last year I got to fulfill, uh, one of his dream hunts, uh, He'd always talked about it with his brother going down to Kansas or Nebraska and going and hunting prairie chickens because it was something that they, when they were growing up, there were still a few residual prairie chickens up here in North Dakota, and they'd actually shot one when they were very young, when they were like 10 or 12 years old. And it's something that he always wanted to do, but they just never had time. And his, his you know, they, they were part of that generation that... Um, you know, driving 15 hours to go and shoot a bird isn't something that people of that generation did. Yep. And so I've, uh, I've really kind of dedicated myself to, you know, the old bucket list when I'm, when I'm gone and whether it's tomorrow or 50 years from now, I don't want anything left on that sucker. I want it all gone. What? And so I've been working pretty hard at, uh, <laughs> doing just that. Uh, now my, uh, my financial advisor would tell you that it's probably not for the best. Um, <laughs> but I would tell you that I think it is. So, so, so speaking of bucket list, what's, <coughs> excuse me. Um, what's on your bucket list as far as upland game? Uh, I know you've, you've killed a lot of different, you know, species. What's, what's still, still out there that you want to take a crack at? Well, I think there's only five species out there that I haven't hunted or and or shot over my dogs. Um, one of them I have zero desire to ever go and chase, and that's that goofy Himalayan snowcock thing. Oh, yeah. and I have no desire to ever do that. If if they would let me spot and stalk it with a rifle, I might be in. Yeah, you know, like I, like give me a 17 HMR, and I'm you know I'll give her away. If they let me, if they um, let me parachute into the top of the mountain and walk down, my. my. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You know, it, it's one of those birds that um, you really can hunt with dogs anyways. Yep. And the the bird hunting experience for me is inextricably linked to my dogs. That is, uh, that's the reason I do it. Um, even days when it's not very nice out there, the, they're, they're, they get me off the couch more times than I get them out of the kennels for sure. Because you can just tell they want to go. Right. Um, so I, I don't even really count that one. But um Chucker is definitely something that I, I'm going I'm going to experience, uh, even though I I'm fully aware that uh, it's it's going to be uh, a pain in the ass. <laughs> to, to really, you know, it, it just is, uh, you know, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I you know you kind of got to embrace embrace that part, and I know that I am just stubborn enough uh, to not quit until I get one because yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll get I'll get mad at them, and then you know it'll pro- it'll end up not ending well for at least some of them. Um, so that's high on my list and that may end up getting checked off this year. So there's a couple that, uh, there's a couple things that everything's kind of still up in the air with the whole COVID thing going on. Um, I'm kind of trying to plan out the rest of my year and it's still kind of up in the air, but I had Hank Shaw, the, the wild game chef up here. He was up here hunting with me, uh, in late September, we were chasing Huns and sharp tails around and he lives in Northern, um, California. And so there are two quail species that I haven't got to hunt yet. I haven't got to hunt um, California or Valley quail, uh, and I haven't got to hunt mountain quail. So those are the two that I have left there. Um, I could do both of those with Hank. Mm-hmm. Um, and the real reason I pro- I, may, I may stop over there on my very, I don't know if you guys have a map or not, but uh, California is not necessarily on the way to Arizona. Uh, <laughs> but if you kind of, you know, sneak around. Uh, take that 12-hour you know, detour. Like, 
yeah, go like, uh, yeah, I don't know, like 800 miles out of the way or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can probably get there. Um, so is what I may do is go down there more to, and I'm not much of a waterfowl hunter, but there are a couple, couple, uh, different species of waterfowl that kind of excite me. Uh, big pintails would be one that I, I, you know, I don't get to shoot. Um, we have some here, but they're never, uh, the big adult, um, big sprig, uh, pintails. Um, and I'd like to do that. And then I'd also like to shoot some specs. Uh, we get a few of them up here, but it's not like they get over there oh, at yeah. all. So I would really kind of like to go and do that a little bit and then kind of wrap that around with a valley quail and a mountain quail hunt. So I can kind of yeah. knock off a few birds there. Um, and if I'm going to do that. In... <clears throat> I'm sorry. Where does he live in California? Uh, I think he's someplace around san francisco or oh, north of there a little bit. okay so, yeah i um, lived in tule lake california um mm. and that's like almost oregon but it's right, right. in the pacific flyway and there's mm. an awesome the tule lake refuge is awesome and right and uh, i had so many california quail in my yard it was insane mm. i mean when i first moved there i would walk out my back out off my back porch and I had lilac bushes that lined my yard and they would all fly out of the bushes and scare me to death. Like it's funny that, um, you know, I, I had so many of them around me and at the time I wasn't even, I mean, shooting birds were was not even on my radar at that time. I had no desire. Right. So, and, and so, like, they're they're one of the quail species that I'm I'm a little bit less excited about because they're they're very similar to gambles quail, um, and they don't. I'm kind of like you, where I really I really enjoy that covey rise aspect. They don't really do that, yeah. uh, you know. They're little runners that you know, and mm-hmm. you, you kind of like they're they're uh, you know. We chase the gambles quail and the scale quail in Arizona every year, yep. and. Um, you can go out and you can see, you know, a couple hundred birds a day and you're going to get a lot more action, but I'm the guy who wants to spend more time up in Mern's quail country, uh, waiting for the little covey of eight birds to go up uh, because they (laughs) they covey rise. Um, but with that said, it's, you know, at this point it's, it's, I like to hunt in places that are, that I've never hunted before and that are really pretty. And, uh, the mountain quail and the, and the California quail over there are definitely, uh, they definitely check both those boxes and I've never got to see a mountain quail ever. And I've seen pictures of them. They're pretty cool looking birds. Um, the only other one that I haven't got to hunt yet that we're trying to plan like a nightmare of a logistical trip around is ptarmigan. And, so the the plan as of now, it's not going to happen next August, but the August after, there's going to be me and two of my buddies. We're going to take one dog a piece, and we're going to road trip to Alaska. Oh, okay. which um <laughs> is pretty nuts. Uh, that's like from here, I think it's three thousand miles each way to Fairbanks. Yeah, each way, uh, and is what we're planning on doing uh, to at least somewhat make it feasible as far as uh the cost and the uh time and everything else uh, for bringing back meat is we're going to try to wrap it around with a caribou hunt as well so oh, okay. what we're kind of trying to do is we're going to plan on doing like a seven day river float oh yeah um where we get dropped off in the bush uh someplace outside of fairbanks and we take 
one dog apiece and rifles and shotguns and tents and everything else. And we kind of hunt our way back down to Fairbanks for both uh, caribou and ptarmigan. Um, so we'll look forward to uh, finding you and him on the missing uh, people, the missing hikers. <laughs> you know, maybe, uh, but I'll be happy. I'm fine with that. You'll have, you know, I, you'll have you got to die with but, you. Yeah, you got to die of something. So if I if I end up uh, if awesome. I end up coming out the back if I end up coming out the backside of a grizzly bear in the middle of Alaska, I'm all right with that. So <laughs> That's well, a- that that kind of leads to a question that I was going to ask you: If you did do much big game hunting, I mean, it sounds like you are interested at least because. Uh, yeah, I, so I'm uh, I, I'm I'm interested in in a few things uh, like. I'm more interested in the big game hunting more so for the meat itself than I am for the, for the experience. Like I, um, this year in, well, actually starting next Friday, our, uh, our North Dakota rifle season for, for deer is open and I have a buck tag, which is harder than most people believe, uh, to get. Uh, I haven't had one since 2017. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's all lottery. Wow. So, um, and there's a lot of really big deer around. So I'm going to try to take it a little bit seriously, even though I've been looking at the forecast every day and it just looks like really good bird hunting weather. <laughs> uh, I'm going to, I'm going to try to take it seriously and get one nice one for the wall. And then a lot of people don't know that here in North Dakota, we actually have three other big game species. Um, so we have white tailed deer and mule deer. I'm just counting those as just one. Right. Um, then we have moose elk and bighorn sheep all here in North Dakota. Um, those are all, they're all once in a lifetime tags. I've never drawn any of them, but I put in for them every year. Um, from my, in fact, last year on opening weekend of uh, sharp tail season, we had a little bull moose go right through my yard. Uh, there's actually quite a few moose around right, right here where I live. If I went and took a drive any given evening and drove a 50 mile loop around my house, I I could probably see, you know, four or five. Oh, really? Yeah, it, they're they're pretty common, and we got some big ones too. We got some some very large bulls. Um, if you go down just southwest of here, down in the Badlands, probably an hour drive from where I'm sitting, they have a lot of a lot of elk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have the bighorn sheep. But the bighorn sheep, they give out like seven tags yeah. a year, and it's it's a it's one of those things where the game and fish want exactly seven sheep yep. to get killed. So it's like, okay, you draw this tag, you drive to this road, and you get out, you shoot a sheep, yep. kind of a deal. And I'm, that doesn't really excite yeah, well, me too much. That's exactly here in Tennessee, and I know you're going to look at me like I've got four heads when I say this, but they actually have elk. In- I know that. Yep. The, okay. Well, they have elk, and they do the same thing. They give out. I think it's they don't give out. It's a lottery system. Six or seven tags a year, and. Uh, mm-hmm. Plus, they auction one off, which all the proceeds go to, you know, the Wildlife Federation programs. But last year, I think it was last year, year before, that tag went for the one they auctioned off went for like twenty, twenty two thousand dollars. They have some gigantic because they they done a relocation program and started about 12, 14 years ago. And they really take off great. And of course, Mm -hmm. they get no pressure. And sure. our mountain, and there's no predators. Yep. There's no wolves. Yep. No, no predator. And <laughs> yeah, there so. is some giants. I'm talking 350, 360. I'm, well, you know what a big elk is. Some giants here. So uh, there's a lot of big yeah, ones they, killed here. Uh, not a lot. The ones my, that just killed here every year are pretty good sized bulls, but it's pretty neat. My my, my insurance uh, agent uh, Jackie, she lives uh, right here in Stanley. 
two days ago she just shot a like a 380 wow. uh, bull wow. just just south yeah um but uh it's so i mean i have a little bit uh, the older i get the the more i'm kind of starting to come back to big game hunting just because now i have this i have this luxury of time where uh, a lot of other people don't and i didn't when i like any other time in my life so now i have like last year i think i hunted 126 days and i'm going to beat that this year um I hunted every day in September this year. Uh, I've only taken off like four days since the start of season. And so I can take away a little bit of my bird hunting time and go and, you know, spend a uh, spot and stalking a deer or, you know, and the other thing that I've, I'm really kind of interested in that I've, uh, again, something that has just kind of started to pique my interest recently would be like a spring bear hunt in Montana, yeah. uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um I haven't shot anything with my bow for a long time, but uh, my bow is going to come down to Arizona this winter, and I'm going to try to maybe shoot a coos deer or a oh, javelina. Yeah. Uh, those are both. Uh, I, I mean, javelina from uh, we could have shot javelina every year. We've been going down there, so yeah. uh, I got a little bit of interest in it, but it's uh, it's definitely still secondary to the bird hunting for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's um, it's something I think that everybody including myself i you know we we bear we're we've got a lot of bear here where we're at and a lot of wild hogs and 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 a lot of deer but um upland bird hunting's always been you know number one for me um so what's it like around the triple b ranch <laughs> the triple b farm birds booze and buds mm. farm this time of year in bird season how chaotic can the farm get <laughs> Well, it's been pretty chaotic. Uh, so I've had people at my house, whether I was here or not, every day since the 10th of August. Um, every day. Uh, and so it started this year earlier than normal because there was a lot of people with the, with the shutdown that kind of found themselves with a little bit of extra time or where they were able to work from home. And so I had a bunch of people that wanted to come up here just to run dogs on wild sharp tails in August, which is something that I, I've really started enjoying more and more as I get older. It's, it's kind of like the season before the season. So I use it as a scouting season where um, I'm going out and I'm running my dogs through covers that I know have birds or should have birds in it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm putting them, putting my little notes in my onyx and oh, I'm yeah. writing it down, you know, you know, sharp tail on this Ridge um, fall, August, 2020, whatever. And so it was really kind of kind of neat for me to see all these people. I, there was uh, a husband and wife that drove up from Baltimore, uh, and they come up and stayed for a week just to just to go run dogs on sharp tails. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a couple people from Wisconsin and Michigan and all over the place that were up here um, starting in August, and August really finished for me with uh, Justin McGrail and Ron coming out for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, to run dogs uh, before the season started. We kind of wrapped it around the opening day of dove season for, for me and Ron. Um, and it really just never stopped from there. Uh, I went over to Montana and did the grouse slam in Montana with a couple of buddies this year. We did uh, sage grouse, sharp tails, spruce grouse, rough grouse, and blue grouse in a week, um, oh, which was as nuts as it sounds. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh, I've, 
And so, then when I got back from, from there, I had the Pike Gear uh, crew, uh, one of my sponsors, Brent Pike, and a bunch of his buddies were up for Sharptail. And then Nick Larson from Project Upland. Then I had the Sharptail camp for the, for the podcast, and mm-hmm. then Hank Shaw, and then all my buddies from Michigan, and then the B3 Jamboree. And now I got a group of people here from uh, Pennsylvania and another uh, older gentleman from uh, New Hampshire. And then... I have a week off for deer season, and then I have one more group coming from North Carolina that are going to be out here for a week as well, and then I'm done. <laughs> so, uh, like, it, it's it's uh you know, and by the, I, I really enjoy getting a chance to hunt with everybody and getting out and, and watching their dogs work, and uh, you know, it's it's been fun. But I'm not going to lie, I'm looking forward to being able to go out and get my three birds, and then uh, go back home and sit on the couch. I <laughs> hear. Uh, the month of September and October was pretty hard on me. And, uh, we, uh, you know, we, we were up chasing sandhill cranes or ducks before, before it was light outside and we weren't quitting until dark when we were getting done chasing sharp tails and huns. So it's, uh, it's been a, it's October. If it was three months long, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make now, it. <laughs> I've heard about the sandhill crane stories and, uh, you're always decoying the sandhill cranes here last month. And I guess you proved that you can decoy sandhill cranes, huh? Sure did. Um, we bought uh, we bought uh, five dozen to start, and then a second five dozen um, silhouette dive bomb decoys. And I had a a guy by the name of Asher Tolliver, who is um, I think he's marketing director for Dive Bomb or vice president or whatever he is. I had him on my podcast mainly because I wanted to talk to him specifically about decoying sandhill cranes. Uh-huh. You know, it's something that we've we've been looking into for a while, but. Problem was full body sandhill crane decoys are insanely expensive. I'm talking oh, about like imagine. I'm talking about like two hundred dollars for two. I mean like very very expensive. Oh. Yeah. So like it's like you know I can't I, I don't know anybody really who can afford to put you know five dozen of those out oh, there at that kidding. price. It's like you know like, it's not possible. I mean you're right. talking you know. 20,000. I don't even know what the hell that is. Yeah, Yeah. a lot. (laughs) And I'm certainly not going to be spending that kind of money for that, even though it would be really fun. But so talking to Asher about those, the silhouettes, he said they do work very well. And he said specifically up here in the north part of the country where they haven't been pressured a lot, they should work well. And so it was a little bit of a learning curve. But uh, the one day it all really kind of came together and culminated with us shooting a uh, seven man limit, 21 birds in 22 minutes. Wow. it was, uh, and every one of them was locked up gliding into the decoys wow. and it was a riot. I shot them all with 20 gauge. Now, did you give Hank Shaw an opportunity to fix any of those up for you? Uh, that was after Hank had already left. Oh. Um, he took off after that or before that. He That was my buddies from Michigan, actually mine and Craig's and Ron's buddies that were up here uh, right after him. Um, but Sandhill cranes are so damn good that even I can make them taste good. So, uh, uh, Hank, uh, while he was here, we, I mean, we he really came up here for Huns, and we hammered them. Uh, yeah. We did really well. We had terrible weather. The wind blew like 30 miles an hour both days that we hunted, but we did really well. And he made something that I think he called it Three Sisters Stew that yep. was stupidly good. Oh, yeah. It was uh, really really good yeah. uh, and he made a giant pot of it so me and my buddies from michigan we ate it for two days after that and the whole time we're just like it's so good yeah you can make mr stew with all kinds of stuff yeah that's basically what he did i mean he threw everything in there but the kitchen sink yep. i mean he even added tequila so he's like you have any any like margarita grade tequila i was like who are you talking to man? of course I 
<laughs> That's awesome. Well, hey, Tyler, it has been great having you on the podcast, Satan. And before we go, um, we're going to have a speed round here. We're going to ask you. Good. We're going to ask you a few questions, and we want real quick answers here. And uh, like you get no time to think. You, you just no answer. time to think. And, and trust me, these right. answers are going to—they're going to make you laugh or make you cry. Perfect. The question, excuse me. Uh, you might laugh so hard you'll start crying. Perfect. So. Oh, I'll just look at Yeah, I'm going to start off asking. we got five questions here we're going to ask you, and I want you to answer them as fast as you can. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. All right. This is this is Tyler Webster's speed round. Number one, liquor or beer? Liquor. Blonde or brunette? Brunette. Country or metal? Country. Boobs or butts? Butts. Boxers or briefs? Uh, briefs. Absolutely briefs. Awesome. I thought, yes, sir. I think you passed that. It was pretty good. We, we've been contemplating. I said, we need to make it fun. We need to add something real quick fun to do. We're both like at the maturity level of like 12 year old boys. Yeah, and, me too. Um, yeah. and I mean, it doesn't, it hasn't really fully come out in our podcasting yet because i think we're both like a little nervous to like let sure. it fly well, but I, i'm not we really, have so much fun together. it's not just i'm not really just nervous to let it fly i'm just scared to shock the world i guess i well <laughs> so and some stuff i'm like mom don't listen like yeah if, exactly. if i say that mom, mom don't listen yeah I'll just wait after after we get off the after we get off with this one. I gotta upload one that's gonna be. Uh, I think it's gonna be the fourth or fifth one that I've done in three years. It's just gonna be titled "Birds, Booze, and Buds Unedited," uh, which is gonna be from from the last night of the B three Jamboree. There was like six of us sitting around a table in my garage drinking bourbon and uh, giving each other a hard time about shots missed and you know dogs bumping birds and all that kind of stuff. But uh, um. After you've been doing it for about six or eight months, there's no more like there's no more being nervous. So it takes <laughs> right. a while, but uh, you know, you think of uh, like I think about it every once in a while. My voice has been out there on well over has been heard over a million times, and uh, that's kind of insane to think about at this point. But it's you know that's that's where it's at. So I mean, you know, the people got to listen to, got to keep on tuning back in for something. So you got to leave them with something to 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 keep on wondering they they well i think our kansas trip we're gonna have our buddy brian with us it's funny because i knew brian before i knew josh and josh knew brian before he knew me and brian's just like this common factor like in our lives that kind of he didn't bring us together but whatever anyway he's gonna be with us and it's i mean it's me and these two guys all the time and i mean it's just i mean some of the stuff that gets said is just you can't make her blush you can't no make her you blush, can't I, I think i can make them blush easier than they make they can make me blush, i'm sure right? but yeah we have a good time so we've talked about how we're gonna have to like do some videoing and like some recording like unedited stuff of our little trip to with brian in kansas because well, that's kind of the, that's kind of what keeps me going um is that you know, and going back to the whole thing with Craig here, just real quick, that was another one of my takeaways from it. And part of the reason that the podcast is still going and growing like it is, is because I really kind of want to treat it almost like an audio diary. Uh, okay. I want to have mm -hmm. people that I really enjoy talking to and friends, friends of mine on 
and uh, telling stories and recording laughs and get those voices. Because uh, if I could have anything in this world, it would be a conversation recorded with me and my grandpa just driving around. Um, you know, he's been gone for 18 years now and I can barely remember what his voice sounded like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going back and, and listening to these forever, whether my, whether my podcast is popular or not, I'm going to continue to do them just because they're fun and I get to go back and listen to conversations. I get to relive hunts with my buddies, you know? So, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah, that's that it's something that, like you said, it, it's, if you take nothing else with you, you'll have these memories, you know, that, that you record, you know, for the rest of your life. And, and like I said, that's, that's one reason we do it too. You know, it's just, that's how we got started. We were just driving down the road and just the stuff we say to each other and the stuff that we've said with our hunting buddies. And, you know, she looked at me, she said, we need to record this stuff. She said, I think people would like be interested in hearing it. She said, somebody's got to hear this. She said, we, as a husband and wife say some of the stupidest stuff to each other. And I mean, we just sit here and laugh at ourselves half the time. And I told her, I said, you know, and we both got, I mean, we both can talk to this wall in front of us and, you know, I get along with anybody and I hope everybody feels the same about me. So that's kind of the reason we got it, you know, got into the podcast game and, and we love it. And we're, we have a ball. I mean, we're just like you, we do the same exact thing you're doing, Tyler. We eat, sleep and breathe bird hunting. Um, we work just to support our habit, basically, you know, yeah. and, and that's all we talk. We sit around the house and like, you know, I don't know if you'll either find another man and woman that just sits around the house and talks bird hunting like we do. And it's, it's just something that we love to do and something that I want to bring to everybody. And that's the reason I, I wanted to have you on the podcast. Cause I told her, I said, you know, this guy, he sure. sleeps and breathes bird hunting. Everybody knows who Tyler yeah. is. And I just want him, you know, to, to get him on here and interview him and Tyler, I really, as a, as a I, I told somebody this here a couple of weeks ago and I'll just, I'll kind of leave you guys with this. You guys will probably find this pretty funny, but uh, somebody asked me, they, you know, we were sitting in a bar and they're like, you hunted birds last year, 126 days. I said, yep. And they said, what on earth would possess somebody to chase around something that is, you're going to get four ounces of meat off of. And I said, I just looked at him. I sat there and thought about it for a minute. I could have given him a million answers and they all would have been correct. But I said, well, you know, some people do meth and some people chase birds. Uh, it's <laughs> right. a, it's as far as I'm concerned, they're both very expensive and they don't make any sense, but I like my teeth and I don't like drugs. So I'm going to keep on chasing birds instead. You've got (laughs) something going for you there. You need to find a way to make that into a t-shirt. I don't know. Like the sniff pines, not lines. Right, right, right. right. (laughs) Pointing dogs, not not crack or something. I don't know. It's it's all the same thing. We all have our different addictions, and this is definitely one that I have. That's exactly right. Well, it's good talking to you, Tyler. It's been fun. Yes, we're definitely going to have to get together and and go shoot shoot sometime. I'm going to have to come up there and shoot some of those huns you got. Oh, there should be a few around next year. So (laughs) we'll have to try to get together. But uh, Tyler, hey, great. It was great having you on the podcast, buddy. And uh, anytime you want to come on, give us a call. We'd be glad to have you. And um, if, with that being said, I think we're. call it a day and hopefully uh, uh hopefully our paths cross at some point but yes. it's been awesome yes so. sounds yep. it's been great talking to you guys as well hopefully you guys have a really good trip down to kansas i'm hearing good things uh, about both pheasants and quail numbers so hopefully you guys have a good trip 
Yeah. Well, thank you. Yes. Thank you. And like I said, 